Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. It's good to be in church this evening. It's good to come and to lift up the name of Jesus together, to give thanks to our God. You know, we don't serve a dead God. We serve the living God who is alive, our God who loves us, who's got a plan for each and every one of us, who, who has come and made a way possible that we can know him, that we can have a living relationship with him. And you know, I love that song that we've just sung. And I believe that it's not a song that we just sing. I believe that it's truth in that song. I believe that God's plans for us are still to prosper. For our church, I believe God's plan for our church is for it to prosper. I believe God's plan for your life is for you to prosper. It's to know his presence and his help in your life. And him opening up doors and guiding you, it is for us to prosper. Our God hasn't forgotten us. Even here in Abraham and in the middle of Wales, where, where maybe most people don't know about this place, which is so small on the map. Our God knows this place. And I believe God's got incredible things planned for this community and for our church. Um, well, this evening we're going to continue in this series that we've been going through on a Sunday evening, which is called Revive. And this series is all about revival. It's a series which is all about what God has done in the life of the church in the past, and how God moved in the church, how the church was awakened. But also, it's a, a series that I hope would inspire us and encourage us and stir us up to seek and believe for revival again. Because our God is able and he has promised it in his word. And so tonight we come to the third message in this series and over the, tonight and over the next couple of weeks we're going to be looking at a, a few different messages, a collection of messages which are called the ingredients for revival, the ingredients for revival. You know, just like making a cake, I don't make cakes, my wife makes cakes, she enjoys making cakes, but if you want to make a cake, there's certain ingredients that you need to have in order to make a cake. I know the Bible gives us instructions. It's the same thing. If we want, a see, want to see God do something, then there's certain things that we can do as the people of God uh, that can prepare us ready for God to move and pour out his spirit. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a few key elements that are found in the Bible and also in past uh, revivals that are needed for revival today. And if you've got a Bible, can you turn to... Hosea chapter 12, Hosea chapter 10, sorry, and verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen behind us. But Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. And this is what it says. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. You know, this, this verse is speaking is of, of our hearts. It speaks of the condition of our hearts. You know, that we see here that in the time of Hosea, it's talking about the land that, you know, there would have been many farmers and the land would have gone to a dry season and the ground would have been hard. And, and there, there wasn't much fruit during these hard, dry seasons in that place where they lived. But, you know, there was a season where the farmers would have to go out and they'd have to break up that hard ground where they'd have to plow that of ground in order so they could sow seeds and order in order so they could grow that harvest once again they could see a harvest come in and they could be filled and satisfied and feed their families but as i said this is speaking of the people's hearts people's hearts had become cold to it had become hard towards the lord 
They'd stopped seeking the Lord. They'd started following other gods. They'd started living for themselves and not for the Lord. And their hearts had become hard, hard to the, towards the Lord. And here we see Hosea. He's giving this message to the people of God saying, it's time to break up that ground again. It's time to start seeking the Lord because the Lord is going to do something great. He's going to do something amazing in your life, but you need to break up that hardness in your life. You need to start seeking his face once again. And you know, I believe that this is a message for the church today, the church globally, but I also believe God is speaking to us tonight at Gateway Church. It's time for us to break up the hard ground within our hearts. It's time for God to, to, and for us as the people of God to get our hearts ready for what God is going to do. So as I said, this series is all about revival. And you might be wondering, what is revival? What on earth is a revival? Well, a revival is an awakening. It is a revitalization or a return to a former glory within the church. Revival is basically when the church, when God comes by his spirit and the church begins to wake up. It's no longer stuck in a tradition of just doing the same old things. It's when God begins to move in a way that's, that's, ne that's hardly ever seen. It's when God begins to move, where the people of God get hungry for God. They want to know him in a real way. They begin to pray. They begin to read the word. They just can't help to get together because they want to come into the presence of God. A in a revival, we see that the people of God have a desire to go and tell the lost, those who don't know Jesus, all about Jesus and his unfailing love and the way that he's made possible for us to know him. We see the revival, it happens, it, we see the revival, it affects those who don't know Jesus, it affects non-Christians, but revival is ultimately for the church. It's when God comes by his spirit to awaken the people of God. And as I said time and time again over these last four weeks, we need a revival. We need a revival. I need a personal revival. We all need a personal revival. We need a revival in our time, in our generation. And as we read through the Bible, as we read through scripture, and also as we look at past revivals, we see that revival is completely a work of the Lord. Revival is not man-made. It's not something that we can just conjure up or stir up on our own. There's things that we can do to prepare for revival, but revival is ultimately all of God. It's when God begins to stir our hearts to get our hearts right. It's when God begins to, to move. Revival is completely a work of the Lord. Revival is not man-made. Revival is God-initiated, and it is God-led, and it is all for God's glory. Revival is not about a man, it is not about a church, it is not even about a community. Revival is all about the people turning back to the Lord and giving Him the praise and giving Him the glory and seeking Him and having a fresh passion for Him. And you know, revival only stops when God says so. Revival will only stop when God says it's time for this to stop. You know, unfortunately, people do mess up. And they fall, but God is the author of it and he's the finisher of revival. He is the begin, beginning and the end of revival. But as I said, we can see in scripture and we can see in church history that there are certain things that we can do as the people of God, that you can do, that I can do as the people of God, that we can prepare for God to move, for him to pour out his spirit and waken up the church again. And we're going to look at these over the next couple of weeks. And the first ingredient of revival and I believe this is the most important, as you can see on the screen behind me, is prayer. This is the most important, I believe, ingredient of all for revival. If we want to see a revival, then the church needs to start praying again. And not just reading prayers off a sheet or just saying, you know, these nice little prayers. It's when we begin to really seek God because we know we need God. 
It's when we're desperate for God to move. It's when we begin to pray for our families and our loved ones and our friends and our co-workers. And we pray, God, would you move in their situation? Would you, would you awaken them? Would you cause them to come to know you? It's when we pray and ask God to move within our lives. You know, if you study any of the great revivals of the past or revivals that are even happening today, you will always find men and women who longed for a change in the status quo. They were fed up of how things were. As they studied the word of God, as they read the word of God, as they heard of what God had done in the past, there are men and women in the past who, who decided, I'm not going to settle for this anymore. I believe that God has more, and I'm going to seek him for that. I'm going to seek him for the greater things that he has promised. That's what happens within revival. Men and women of God begin to get a hunger, a new hunger, a real hunger, to know God and for him to move and believe in him to move in their life in their families, and also in their church. And I don't know about you, but I'm fed up. I long to see God move. I long to see people coming to know him week in, week out. I long for, for God to move in amazing ways. I long to see miracles. I long to see him because he is able. He is the same God today, yesterday, today, and forever, as the Bible says. He is still performing miracles. He is still saving souls. He is the same God, and I'm believing for it. He's the same God who can save families today as he did even all those years ago. No matter how hard your family members' hearts might be, no matter how difficult your workplace might be, God is able, and I'm longing for it. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want us as a church just to do church. I want us to be the church and encounter God in a fresh way every week. You know, how many of you come to church and expect God to do something different every time you meet together? Or do you expect the same old, same old? You know, I pray every week, I pray, God, would you do something new in this place? Would you do something fresh? He's the God of creation. He's a creative God. He's able to do new things. He's able to do things that we thought would never happen. He's able to bring breakthrough in situations that we never expected right in the moment. You know, I pray that, that as a church over the next coming weeks and years, that there would always be a fresh expectancy for the Lord to move. That there'd be something new. God, you know, as we come together, I don't know what God's going to do today, but we pray, God, would you just come? Would you lead? Would you guide? Would you minister? Do what you have to do. Let's abandon our programs. Let's abandon our, and Lord, would you lead by your spirit and guide us that we might see incredible things done. Let's stop just doing church. Let's be the church and let's open up our lives to the Lord for him to move in and through us. And that's what happens in revival. Men and women get fed up with the status quo. They're fed up of cold, lukewarm services. They're fed up of their own lukewarm, cold hearts. And they decide something's got to change. And they realize only God is able to do it. It is only God who is able to change in these situations. And you know, we believe God has promised this church that the latter days are greater than the, going to be greater than the former days. That these times in which we're living in and the future is going to be greater than the, the history of our church. I believe that with all of my heart. But I believe also that it is only the Lord who is able to do it. I'm not able to do this. Paul isn't able to do it. Adele isn't. As a, as a church, we aren't able to do this. But it is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by your spirit. It is God. And he's able to do something in this place that is greater than we could have ever expected or anticipated. You know, we have a vision for this church. To, to see leaders raised up. To see a thriving children's ministry. A thriving youth ministry. We long as a church to be a planting church, a church that sends out missionaries. We long for God to do incredible things within this life of this church. But we can't do this in our own strength. This comes as we turn to the Lord and say, God, move again. Move in our hearts. Move in our community. Move 
oh God. And that's what happens in revival. Men and women, they get fed up with the status quo and they begin to pray. This is the first ingredient, pray. They begin to pray. They have nowhere else to turn. And so they just fall on their knees and say, God, I need you. Oh, I need thee, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. They begin to say, God, I need you. And you know, they call upon God with passion and persistence. They're going to take hold of God. They're going to take hold of his word, take hold of his promises. And they get passionate, passionate about the Lord. There's a fervor, there's a hunger, there's a desperation about it. You read about the, his revivals in the past. When the people prayed for it, it wasn't a lukewarm little prayer meeting. Where a few older people gathered together and said some nice prayers and began to pray for different needs. No, these people got serious. They got on their knees and they were, the Holy Spirit began to lead them in praying for kingdom things and godly things and the word of God to take place. This was real prayer. This was real prayer. It's like in Psalm 80. We see a very similar situation in Psalm 80 when the psalmist Asaph, he begins to bemoan the state of his time. He begins to say that the, the walls are broken down, the, the animals are crazy, there are burnt vineyards, everything is happening. It seems like our community is, is falling apart. It seems like society is falling apart. But then this is what Asaph cries out in verse 18. It says, then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Asaph realized, God, only you can move in this situation. And so what does he do? He gets on his knees and says, God, will you revive us? Then we will call on you. We will seek you. And it's the same for us today. I don't know about you, but this is my prayer. God, would you revive us again? At the state of our nation, the state of our communities, the state of our, our, of our land, God, revive us again. The state of our churches, God, revive us again. Revive us again. You know, the Holy Spirit, he is also known as the spirit of prayer. He is the one who helps us in our praying. The Holy Spirit loves to help us in our praying. And you know, sometimes when we get to that place where we don't know what to pray, that's when we can say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you pray through me? Pray through me the things of God, the will of God in and through my life. The Holy Spirit loves to lead us in our praying. You know, it's, it's only when we are full of the Holy Spirit that we realize that we need God at, at all times. You know, we could keep living this Christian life and you know, I could preach to you till I'm blue in the face and you could hear this, we could be here for hours and hours and I could declare this, but unless the Holy Spirit grips your heart and causes that, that burden within you and causes that desperation within you, then it's all, it's all for nothing. You know, at 18 years old, I had a fresh hunger for God. I, I began to sense God calling me and I, I had a real passion for God to move again. I began to read stories the old, of, of, of revival, of what God had done in the past. And I thought, God, there is a massive difference between what you were doing back then to what's happening now. There is a huge difference. There were thousands upon thousands of people falling at his feet, worshiping him, coming to know him, longing for him. And now the church seems to be, uh, seems to be like it's, it's falling apart. People are leaving church quicker than they are entering the church. And you know, Nobody spoke to me, nobody encouraged me, nobody told me about these things. But as I began to read these things, the Holy Spirit began to create a burden within my heart. As I read the word of God, God began to create a thirst within my heart to seek him and pray and believe for revival. And over the last few months, he's been doing it again. And it is only him who can create that in our lives. And I pray that for all of us. I pray, Lord, would you just by your spirit create a hunger in every single one of our lives 
in every single one of our lives, every person who comes into this building, I pray that they would have a fresh hunger for God, a desire to seek his face, every single one. It doesn't matter how long you've known him, how long you've walked with him. I pray everyone would leave this place with a fresh hunger to seek him and to know him and believe for him to do great, the greater things that he has promised. You know, the Holy Spirit helps us in our praying. You know, if, if our church doesn't pray, and if we don't have a ha- an appetite for God, if we don't have a hunger for God, then we might as well leave this place tonight. We might as well close these doors because we're not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the living God. It's where we come and know him and we can meet with him and walk with him and cure him and be led by him. We can encounter him. And if we come here week in, week out, and we just go through the same old things, let's just close the door now. I don't know about you, but my prayer for this church is this church would be so passionate for the Lord. We would be so on fire for the Lord. There would be a desperation within this church, not just to come along to meetings or feel like we have to, but there would be just an excitement that we can come and gather together and come into the presence of God on a week-by-week basis and pray and believe for Him to do great things and pray for one another. You know, I long for that. I long for that. You know, it doesn't matter how many people are in our church. That won't impress God. It doesn't matter if we keep doing the same old, same old. That doesn't impress God. God is looking for a people who will seek Him. God is longing for a people who will hunger and thirst after Him, who will long for Him. And you know, the incredible thing is, and in, in the Bible we see that anybody who begins to have a hunger and thirst for God, we see God begins to make Himself known to that person. God begins to do amazing things in and through that person's life. You know, if we don't seek the Lord, how can we expect him to bless us or move and help us? That's why we need to pray. And prayer is the greatest thing of all. It's the greatest privilege that we have as the people of God. That we can commune with the holy God. We can commune with the one who's holding this world at this very moment in his hand. The one who created you and me. We can commune with him on a daily basis. And it's not because we have earned it or we deserve it. It's because of what Jesus has done. He has made the way possible. He shed his blood for us on the cross that we can know him, that we can have a relationship with him, that we can come into the presence of a holy God, a sinful people, and be changed and be transformed and know him personally. You know, I pray that we would, we would have a church, as a church, we would, there would be a real spirit of prayer upon this church. It has been over these last couple of years, but I'm praying for it more. You know, I read it, it, just a few weeks ago, even in Zechariah, it said about David, you know, King David, David and Goliath, it said about his household, there was a spirit of prayer upon his household. David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he sought the Lord. God done incredible things to his life. Yeah, he messed up, but God had done incredible things to his life. And it says there was a spirit of prayer on the house of David. And you know, that is my prayer. God, may there be a spirit of prayer upon my house, but also on, the house, on this house on Gateway Church. May there be a real spirit of prayer over this place. Why? Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And you know, we see in all of history, and we can see it throughout the Bible, prayer always precedes revival. If we want revival, then the church needs to start praying. I'm not saying nicey-nicey prayers or doing it for the sake of it. My prayer is that God would create a hunger in us to seek his face and a thirst in us to seek his face. Prayer always precedes revival. You know, whenever you look at revivals in the past, revivals, they've never been dominated by eloquent or clever preaching. 
Revivals have never been dominated by that. You never hear of incredible sermons or incredible preachers that, you know, and all these things. We see that in every revival there's a common factor. There's one thing that keeps coming out time and time again, and that is prayer. Prayer before revival and prayer during revival. You know, if you timed the, the old meetings, if you had timed one of those revival meetings, you would have found that there was far more time given to prayer, weeping, and repentance than there was actually preaching. Even in the Welsh Revival, we hear of Evan Roberts. He'd be praying, and the people would be praying for about three hours. Sometimes he wouldn't even get up to preach because God's presence was so heavy in the place, and people were coming to know him, and God was speaking and ministering, that they didn't, there wasn't even time to come to the Word because there was such a spirit of prayer in the place. God was moving. People were communing with the living God. That's what happens in revival. Prayer is the most important ingredient in revival. I believe that with all of my heart. You know, there was a revival called the Prayer Meeting Revival. And it was in 1857 to 1859. And in that revival, there was practically no preaching at all. The Prayer Meeting Revival in 1857 and 1859. And this is probably, if you read about it, it's probably one of the greatest revivals that has ever happened in America. It's one of the greatest uh, uh, revivals that have ever, uh, ever happened in America because it brought in one of the greatest harvests, harvests of souls ever. There was estimates that run up to a million people across the America came to know the Lord Jesus Christ during that revival. One million people in that revival during those years, two years, one million people. And what's incredible was, is the population for the nation at that time was 30 million. So 1 million people out of those 30 million came to know the Lord during the prayer meeting revival. That'd be, for example, there's about 70 odd million or so within the United Kingdom. It'd be like about 8 or 9 million people coming to know the Lord in about two years. How incredible would that be? That's all of Wales and possibly majority of Scotland all coming to know the Lord in two years. How amazing is that? But that wasn't man manufactured. That was all of God. God did that. God did that. But how on earth did this happen? How did that happen? In two years, one million people come to know the Lord and the church awakened. How did that happen? Well, it all started with a, a quiet businessman. And his name was Jeremy Lanthier. And it started on a Wednesday afternoon at 12 o'clock at noon on a Wednesday afternoon. He decided to, he felt stirred and he had a hunger to start a prayer meeting in a church, in a Dutch Reformed church in New York. And this church is about a quarter of a mile away from, from Wall Street. And he had a passion to start a prayer meeting, a businessman, not a pastor, not a preacher, a businessman who loved the Lord. He had a passion to start a prayer meeting at 12 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. And in that first meeting where he held the prayer meeting, how many people do you think joined that? Six people. Six people in that first meeting. How encouraged would you be with that? I don't know about you, but I'd possibly be a bit, little bit discouraged. You know, the Lord's laid this on my heart. We're going to do a prayer meeting. You know, I'm sure he, he was believing for, for loads of people to come. And six people came along to that prayer meeting and they prayed for one hour. But he felt that God had called him to do it. So they, he decided, we're going to keep doing this. The next Wednesday at 12 o'clock, they held the meeting again. That week, 20 people came along. And he began to call upon the Lord. And like I said, this wasn't just, you know, just a nice little prayer meeting. They began to really call upon the Lord for the nation. 
The next week after that, on our Wednesday at 12 o'clock, 40 people came to that prayer meeting. 40 people in three weeks. That church, that small church started. One man had a, a God laid it on his heart and within three weeks, 40 people turned up to that church because they were praying. Nothing else, no preaching, just praying. As a result of that, they decided to have daily meetings. They, every day they were going to meet at 12 o'clock and pray. Every day they decided they were going to meet. And you know, the incredible thing about those meetings was there was no fanaticism, there was no hype, there was no hysteria, there was, it wasn't even reported in the newspapers about what was going on. All that happened was it was an incredible movement of people feeling the need to pray and to seek the Lord. And they would come together to pray and seek the Lord. And that's what J. Edward O. reports, that the services weren't given over to preaching. Instead, everybody was free to pray. In those meetings, that's all they did. They would just pray. And then in history, we see that during the fourth week, there was a panic that hit out across the nation in 1857. The bond market uh, crashed and, and the banks failed during that time. And within a month, in 1857, it says, it, it records that over 1,400 banks had collapsed. There was panic in the nation. They had just started praying and there was panic within the nation. But you know, this panic caused people to call upon the Lord. This uh, it, terrible thing caused people to see, seek the Lord and become more serious about the things of God. And Lamphere's church started having three noontime prayer meetings every day. There would be three different rooms in that church where people would come and pray and seek the Lord. There were reports during that time that in John Street Methodist Church, which is on Broadway apparently, that was packed out as well with people seeking the Lord during this time, praying and calling upon the Lord. There was a, a place called Burton's Theatre, which is on Chamber Street. I don't know where these places are. I've never been in New York. Maybe you have and you know them. But Burton's Theatre on Chamber Street, it was jammed with 3,000 people at noontime during the middle of the day praying and seeking the Lord. That's lunchtime. People didn't go on their lunch. They decided for lunch we're going to go and pray and seek the Lord instead. They needed the Lord. And apparently reports are that this was replicated in Boston, in New Haven, in Philadelphia, in Washington, and right throughout cities throughout the United States. Thousands upon thousands of people were stirred by the Lord to pray and seek the Lord like they never had done before. By the next spring, 2,000 people were praying in Chicago each day in the Metropolitan Theater. Uh, and during that time, during these prayer meetings, there was this young 21-year-old man who, who had just arrived in the city of Chicago. And he felt called to go to this church in Chicago and, and to be involved in these Christian meetings. And, and he wrote to his mother saying that God had begun to stir in him a hunger to start a Sunday school within this church. And what was this young man's name? His name was D.L. Moody. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but that guy done some amazing things for God. And that all started, that guy came, all because of prayer. And one million people in two years came to know the Lord. You know, I believe with all my heart that our church, our nation, churches right across this world today, we're not lacking preachers. We're not lacking books. We're not lacking more sermons. We don't need more worship teams or worship albums. What the church needs more than ever is to get back on its knees and to pray. That is what the church is lacking today. 
We need the power of God, and the power of God comes when the people of God get on their knees and start seeking the Lord. That's how the power of God comes. The church doesn't need any more church plants or anything else. What we need is to start praying again and seeking the face of our God. We need to seek his face until we have a fresh passion for him again. Maybe you've come here tonight and you haven't had a, you're not passionate for the Lord. Well, tonight you can as you begin to seek the Lord. Say, God, awaken my heart. Do something in my life that I never had before. Cause a fire to burn in my life. A hunger for you in my life. You know, we need to pray until we know that he comes. Until we seek his face. Our nation needs it. Our community needs it. You know, we can preach at people till they're blue in the face. But until, unless God gets a grip of their lives, it's hopeless. We need God to come and move in and through us as the people of God. You know, as we come to a conclusion tonight, I believe with all my heart the only reason we don't have revival is because we're happy to live without it. We're content. We don't need it. We're fine. We're just going through the motions. You know, we won't really, maybe we'll just come to church. We'll sing a few songs. We'll go to this meeting during the week. We complain about our needs, you know, and, and life's difficult. Those are the things. We're happy to live without it. But I don't know about you, but the Lord is stirring something in my heart. And I, I, I just, Lord, would you just move again? We need him again. We need him again to come and move. You know, it's sad to say that many churches today are abandoned the prayer meeting. In the place of other outreaches. And I'm not disputing or disregarding these outreaches. These outreaches are good. But I believe we need to pray. I believe the most important meeting in this church is a Tuesday morning, a prayer meeting. And I believe we need to pray again more, and, more than ever. You know, connect groups are amazing, and I thank God for that. And we need to pray in our connect groups. But we need to pray together as the people of God. We need to pray and seek the face of God. You know, we can't have ministries that take the place of prayer. We need to pray. We need to seek the face of the Lord. You know, as we come to a conclusion, this is a quote by one of my favorite preachers, Leonard Ravenhill. And he said, no man or woman is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. If we don't pray, we might as well pack it all in. Because when we pray, we commune with God and we're able to receive his word. And he's able to fill us and lead us and guide us. When we pray, he comes and he moves. He begins to minister and he begins to lead. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord is calling us back to prayer. It's time to pray. It's time to break up the fallow grounds of our hearts, the hard grounds of our hearts, and to start seeking the Lord again. And I can't do it for you. This is between you and God. You've got to do it. You've got to repent and say, God, forgive me of my, of my apathy. Forgive me of, me of me having other gods and other desires and other things apart from you. God, would you be first in my life again? Begin to pray and seek his face. God, would you minister in my life? Would you help me? Would you guide me? But begin to seek the face of God. We need to break up the fallow ground again. 
individually or corporately. We need to break it up as a church. We need to pray again as a church. We need to pray again. And you know, I love the promise, the promises in Scripture. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's another Bible verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of my heart, with all of your heart. And Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God isn't hard to find. When we begin to pray, we will find him. And God rewards those who seek him. God is looking for a people who will seek him again. God is looking for a people of God seekers. I believe, I'm, my prayer is God raise up a generation of God seekers. A generation of people who will seek your face above everything else. Who have a hunger and thirst to seek your face. You know, I believe tonight it's time for us to repent and throw our lives back and to begin to seek the Lord again. Because when we do, God promises he will move and he will bless and he will pour out the spirit. God promises that. Amen. Shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.